0: is not what it used to be for america's most fictional podcast the pod people i'm matisse Van rossum and yeah i read sutter Kane. want to kiss about it
1: step on me mommy i'm mm-hmm. ben cheats
2: and i'm getting to the bottom of this uh episode because i'm an insurance investigator i'm cleveland mosher and i i swear <laughs> to god i'm not gonna phone this in
0: well, this evening we're uh we're we're talking about my pick <laughs> which is John Carpenter's classic In the Mouth of Madness from 1994. Uh it is the third and final film in what John Carpenter calls his Apocalypse Trilogy alongside The Thing and uh Prince of Darkness, which we've covered on the show uh in the last few years banger films and uh this is a great one too maybe maybe john carpenter's last great film is that is that impossible <laughs> oh,
1: i'd have to look i That's think after this possible.
0: i think after this we start to get into some of the stinkers
1: yeah you get some weird ones like uh the mars one with ghosts of you. mars yeah, yeah and vampires
0: yeah, yeah, I think vam- I think vampires came after this, and I I haven't seen that one, but I I know a lot of people like it, so maybe
1: this isn't. Yeah, last it's time. pretty good. It's pretty good, but it's not a banger on the same level as you know this trilogy. Obviously, it's funny with this trilogy with Prince of Darkness, the thing in this. Every time I watch one of them, I'm like, this one is my favorite of the trilogy, and then I'll watch another one of them, and I'm like, this one's my favorite of the trilogy. <laughs> And I think it's just because all three are just so good. Like, it's rare that you have a trilogy with just three absolute bangers like this.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, trilogy is pretty loose in this sense. Like, the stories aren't connected at all. They're not set in the same universe, but they do all sort of you know revolve around an apocalyptic event and the film ends with uh with things seeming pretty dire for uh planet earth so they're they're thematically a trilogy um but otherwise pretty unconnected but i agree with you all incredible uh excellent films this is uh this is a uh, uh one i love particularly because uh of sam neil this is my other favorite sam neil performance after uh possession um jurassic park great too but uh i i think that we horizon. uh and, and event horizon in a bad that's a bad movie though um it's a fun movie this is but this is a good movie um, wild to think uh I was especially thinking this like sitting watching the movie last night. kind of wild to think that this movie came out a year after Jurassic Park. I don't know why this movie seems like so much more like nineties to me than Jurassic Park does Jurassic Park has more of like a a timeless feel to me I don't know it's it's not <laughs> It's not important. Well, but Samuel is and
2: higher camera quality and of course
0: Steven Spielberg.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um and it's so ingrained it... in pop culture that that sort of gives it a longevity that this movie might not necessarily have. Also this film, like is sort of even at the time I think was made to feel eclectic. Um,
0: yeah, it's, it's
1: one of Carpenter's most surreal movies for
0: sure. Definitely. Um and yeah, much much lower budget uh <laughs> than Jurassic Park as well, crucially. Yeah. Um <laughs> but uh still you know has has all of the the great carpenter hallmarks and um and is is a really fun weird creative uh exciting bonkers film the story revolves around uh Sam Neill who plays an insurance uh claims inspector who is hired by a publishing company to track down the Famous horror author Sutter Kane, who has uh, mysteriously vanished, and uh, his publisher wants Sam Neill to find him and see what, see if he's dead or alive, and see if he can recover Kane's next manuscript.
1: Can, I love uh... that the publisher is uh, Charlton Heston. It's like why Charlton Heston.
0: I know is such a fucking weird. weird person to show up in a movie like this i remember the first time i saw this movie when we first like go to the publishing company i'm like what the fuck is that is that charlton heston honestly i did not even realize that he was still alive in 1994 (laughs) (laughs) he's one of those actors that i feel like in my head died way earlier than that but um, I I love the opening credits of this movie. This one is like a awesome, stylish montage of uh, printing uh, Sutter Kane's like newest book, which is then ad- also advertising the next one. It's set to this really fucking cool, sort of heavy metal guitar song. Just like really perfectly sets the tone for the movie. I think.
2: I think it's probably the most one of the more like influentially Lovecraftian movies out there. It features a yeah. lot of slimy creatures in the dark and uh weird dagon looking fish creatures and fish eyes on people. It's fun.
0: And I mean many just like straight up direct references to Lovecraft. Oh, I yes, mean even, I even the film's even the film's title in the mouth of madness is uh you know just a tweak of at the mountains of madness. Uh And, like, all of Sutter Kane's books that we see in the movie are all, like, just very slight tweaks of, like, existing Lovecraft stories. Like, the Hobbs End horror instead of the Dunwich horror. Um, I think... One of them, yeah, one of them is the Haunter Out of Time, which is just (laughs) a fucking, like, cross between the Shadow Out of Time and Haunter of the Dark. Sutter Kane, you know, is a sort of amalgamation of, like, Stephen King and H.P. Lovecraft, and he's constructed this, like, fictional uh, New England village of Hobbs End that is sort of, like... Like Ark are like uh, Lovecraft's Arkham, um or Stephen or a, King's or Castle Dairy Rock Maine. or Derrymane, yeah,
1: yeah. Castle yeah. Rock. Um mm-hmm. yeah, it's funny they they mention Stephen King by name in this movie. They <laughs> and do. they're like Sutter Kane is ten times more popular than Stephen King ever wishes he could be. <laughs> Which I, I thought, you know, was a funny kind of jab because uh it's obvious that Carpenter is friends with Stephen King mm. after yeah. Uh, Christine. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're well, it, they're it, they're it, buddies.
2: It's coming from John Trent, the you know Sam Neill's character, who is a skeptic and has no time for things like horror movies and books. Um, like, I, I think the the first thing he says is like about Sutter Kane, and you know, and again, uh, an uh, analogy for Stephen King and H.P. Uh, uh, Lovecraft is um, when they ask him about. Uh, Sutter Kane. He says, "Oh, Sutter Kane! Doesn't he write that horror crap? <laughs> like
0: <laughs> it's
2: so it's so much fun to have like a and, and, and kind of a kind of a bold choice to have your, your main character in your horror movie hate horror. Um, if you, especially if you want your fans to like him." But uh it's Yeah, or or to not bad. have
0: time or to not have time for it, you know. He does as part of his investigation pick up some of the Sutter Kane's books and even tell somebody he's talking to on the phone he's like, you know, it's like kind of generic like horror pulp, but also like it's pretty good, you know. Like he's he's sort of enraptured by it.
2: Yeah, um once he gives it a chance.
0: Yeah. Sure. Well, it's watching this movie, especially in this day and age, it's is something that I find like so Sort of nostalgically charming about it is it exists like in this like pre internet world where writers could actually be like celebrities like a world where like an an author's hot new book is advertised on like the side of a bus or in posters that have been hung up around town like that's such like a thing of the past like i can't imagine like a like a, a zoomer watching this movie and like understanding that at all you know yeah
1: i mean i don't i i'm not even convinced zoomers read so <laughs> Damn, we're <laughs> so, we are old.
0: We are old. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just such like uh a you know, a different world um than we live in now. Really you know,
2: with, like, I, authors and shit, you know. I think uh, I, I,
0: Yeah, I mean some, but like that, you know, like everything else on the internet like that has sort of been moved right. to like it's yeah, moved into its own like corners uh it's it's sort of like niche echo chambers you know like people yeah, who I mean... fucking write reviews on goodreads and shit i'm sure that they've you know they're they're talking about like new authors new books coming out but outside of like outside of authors like i don't know like george R. R. martin you know and still and still stephen king to a degree but like when's the last time any one of his like recent books made a real splash like is anybody like really anxiously awaiting the new stephen king novel you
1: know what i mean no i think more people pay attention to stephen king's twitter than they do his books at this point
0: right and Um, and film and film and tv adaptations of his existing work that's been around for decades you know
1: yeah well, it's funny talking about adaptations because uh that kind of rolls into the movie later. Don't want to get too far mm-hmm. ahead of ourselves, but well, and even being friends with Stephen King and you know adapting Christine, you know <laughs> John Carpenter's done this himself, which it's is, true is kind of funny. I love this movie so much. I love how it kind of swings for the fences um in how dreamy and surreal it gets and how much it kind of throws at the wall it definitely throws a lot of a lot at the wall uh i think it's it takes a lot
0: more risks than even something like prince of darkness does and i don't think it's as successful with everything that it tries to do but the things that it does do well i think are are like highlights of carpenters like entire career
1: yeah, it's a it's a little messier, but when it works, it really works. I think one of the first big horror sequences in the movie that stands out to me is after he gets the the case from Charlton Heston, he's like talking to his uh his buddy at a diner and this guy with an axe slowly, you know, walks towards the diner and you see him through the window while the, the two are having the conversation. And there's sort of a, an impending dread to it. Because yeah, well, you see him really coming.
2: Too. Like, there's a lot of intensity in the music, but our protagonist and other character, like don't really notice or care. Um, and they're, they're mm-hmm. having a, a wonderful conversation at a diner. Meanwhile, this fucking axe maniac is coming in from the distance as the music swells. And it gets all you know, like t- terrifying and I, I love I love that moment. Pat.
0: And the camera's like slowly pushing in on him too as he's coming from across the street. Um as they're just oblivious to it. Yeah, that, that shot is that whole shot is fucking great. Yeah, it's um, almost
2: funny, like the way the way that it's framed. I, I really like that that bit. Um Reed Sutter Kane. He's got the crazy insmith eyes, those contacts. Yeah,
1: on. he's got those little double pupils.
2: Yeah, like it, his- I found that super creepy.
0: Yeah, like his like his uh irises are undergoing like cellular division or something. They're starting to like split into two. It's a very very uh cool effect. Something's gotten mm-hmm. into him. Yeah, do you read Sutter Kane? Is what he asks. That's actually before he goes to see uh, Charlton Hess and the publishing company. Because that's what oh, they tell is? him. Yeah, it's right after mm-hmm. the introduction we have to Sam Neill where he's. Busting this guy for you know trying to do insurance fraud, who burned down his own house, and he's sitting. Yeah, uh, great scene. Um, But yeah, that he's he's sitting in. He's a freelance insurance uh, claims investigator, which is something that I did not know was a thing. Um, (laughs) But the the guy he's talking to, the diner, is uh, the guy from the firm that he got hired by uh, for that last investigation, who's trying to like convince him to to like sign on with them full time he's like well i got one more gig for you um you know you got to go talk to this publishing company and they'll tell you but in that scene Charlton Heston tells him that uh the guy with the axe who attacked him was uh Sutter Kane's agent the only one who has read the little bit the the sort of preview of Kane's next novel in the mouth of madness. That's our, our first indication. It's like, hmm, there's, there's something very strange going on here, I guess. Well, really,
2: our, our first indication comes with the opening with him in this, the insane asylum. Uh, oh,
0: yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> we, we did, yeah, we got <laughs> it. Um, but, yeah, the film actually, it truly opens with Sam Neill being dragged into an insane, insane asylum, uh, yep. which I love because he, he kicks one of the guys and knocks the other one around, finally get a grapple on him, and they, they drag him into the cell. He's one of the
0: guys in the balls.
2: Yeah, well, that's what I love, is he, they throw him into the cell, and he's like, I'm not mad, I'm not mad. And then he, he shouts from the window, sorry. sorry. Or I think the first line that he says in the movie is, sorry for...
0: Uh, sorry about the balls. balls.
2: a lucky shot. Nothing says, more. Yeah,
0: that insane asylum, the exterior and uh, the, the first interior is... Um, it's like a. I. I want to say it's like a water filtration plant in like Toronto or something. Um, it has a little bit of a, a, a film history because it's been used in other films. Um, notably, <laughs> it's the fucking uh, evil island base of the man in Undercover Brother from
2: 2002. <laughs> <laughs> Do y'all remember Charative that movie? Story history.
0: Yes. yes. The movie fucking rules. But um apparently uh I, I I saw this in the IMDB trivia and they did not elaborate and that makes it all the funnier. But I saw that the the that uh water filtration plant uh no longer allows film crews to, to shoot there after 9-11.
2: Oh my god. I don't know, I don't know why. Why uh-
0: it's in Toronto, but uh it's. it is it is like a it's a really great uh location like i can see why like multiple films have wanted to use it because it is uh it does sort of look very iconic
2: yeah so after that uh uh David Warner shows up as a uh is this, is he a psychologist i forget um,
0: yeah i th- yeah i think so a therapist or something he's a doctor
2: and he's trying to like make his case. Um, I love it too because as he's approaching, the, the guy running the place says, um, Yeah, uh, well, he's been pretty good since. He only, he only asked for one thing a single black crayon. And then we enter his padded cell, and the entire fucking thing is covered in crosses, including Sam Neill. And it's like, damn, you did all that with one crayon? That's
1: wild.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's he, got crayons, word, yeah. he
0: got those crayons. He got that crayon to show up on his skin, like, really well was yeah. just kind of surprising, yeah. yeah. You think you get,
2: um, like, up, like, an arm and a half and you run out of crayon. They did the whole cell and all of him just covered yeah. in crosses, loaded down. Um, and it looks great. And it once again kind of reminds me of, like, Event Horizon as well. You know, Crazy yeah, it's it up.
0: It, It's very over the top. Well, yeah, because David Warner is like, well, you know, I'm here, I'm here to, like, help you to get you out of here. Like, I don't think you belong here. And Samuel's like no, I'm good. I actually want to stay here now. It's like, but you kicked somebody in the balls trying to get out. He's like, yeah, I changed my mind.
2: Yeah, at first I wanted to escape but now <laughs> I realize this is the safest but I actually,
0: place. But actually I feel like, yeah, this is the safest place for me. He's kind of like, things are getting bad out there, aren't they? And, you know, David Warner doesn't, like, really acknowledge that but you can see, like, on the look on his face that, like, he doesn't, like, yeah, things are getting bad out there, or whatever that means. Yeah, I um, like how he
2: misdirects. He's just like, well, let's let's talk about you. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't want to talk about it even. It's it's cool.
0: Yeah. And so uh yeah, so then, you know, Sam Neill starts telling his story and then we get into the stuff that uh that we've already talked about the introduction that we've already talked about a little bit. <laughs> um
1: you know, you mentioned event horizon a minute ago and between this event horizon and possession, like Sam Neill has to be the king of playing crazy, right?
2: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, absolutely. He's my he is my favorite for sure. Um, I mean, possession is, is arguably. I think it's my favorite like crazy person roles. Like he just he's so good.
0: Um, yeah, possession is just one of the best movies ever made. All I,
2: I, I, I use gifs of him like frantically rocking in the chair in the, the rocking chair. The moment, like, all the time. like it's such a good it's so good for a gif. Let's talk about like this, uh, a little bit more about the setup with Sutter Kane because I. I, I have to talk about how great those book illustrations are for all of his horror books that we see the posters of everywhere. Like throughout the movie, there's always there's a we see an advertisement of it on the on one of the buses in the background. Um, that's actually what's hiding the the axe maniac in that scene. Like there's a big bus, and when the the Sutter Kane advertisement bus drives off, then we see the axe maniac behind it. Um, it's it's always there. It's always present in the backgrounds and. Those illustrations are really mark an era of like eighties horror novels that are to me some of the best in like the history of illustration in books. They're just so much fun. um It's always those really good like colored pencil drawings with like the big you know John Carpentry like red block letters and fonts.: um,
0: really is evocative of a lot of the old Stephen King covers too. Like I remember like my very first Stephen King book that I bought as like a freshman in high school was from like an old secondhand bookstore for like 99 cents and i bought a copy of it that had like one of those illustrated covers kind of like that and i like i i just like all of stephen king's like old stuff from the 80s, like, had those kinds of, like, s- goofy illustrated covers. It's just, it, yeah, it's it's really a fantastic style choice.
2: And for us, that that uh, legacy sort of carried on into our childhoods with, like, Goosebump covers that were sort of spoofed.
0: Yeah, totally!
2: And, like, I just, I love it, man. I, I love, like, it's, it's they're kind of stiff illustrations, but, like, they, they have that wonderful, like, it's like it's like colored pencil and acrylics and then like a bit of airbrush for shine on stuff like those old Drew and movie posters and it just it looks so good and fun like you you look at a cover like that and you're like yeah I'm gonna have a fun time reading this book um
0: all right slight slight tangent what was y'all's favorite Goosebumps cover as a kid or the or the one that 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 you find most memorable
1: I think the most iconic for me is the Haunted Mask yeah, with the green dripping mask. Oh,
0: that's a good so one.
1: Good. Um, for me, the 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 first
0: night of the living dummy one. Um, yeah, that which I thought creepy. is like legitimately kind of spooky. Like that one. That one really freaked me out as a kid. Yeah, There's so many good ones. Haunted
2: mask. Um, you know, for me though, I think the most iconically Goosebump one is just Welcome to Deadhouse with that like. Just the the haunted house cover, the red light coming from the inside. It's just, it's mostly... But, you know, I think Haunted Mask was the one that, I yeah, like, actually, like, that cover scared me. Is like...
0: There was another one, I'm trying to remember what it was called. I want to say it was Invasion of the Body Squeezers.
1: Do y'all remember that one? Oh, man, I don't remember that one at all.
0: Yeah, man, Goosebumps. Goosebumps, those were good Those were good books.
2: <laughs> yeah, For children. They were for kids, and yeah, just like just, for kids. You know, horror for kids. And uh... I mean they
0: they very much like helped you know kickstart my my love for horror at an early age. You can definitely give it that.
2: Yeah, this is a cool legacy with that. And after that era, um uh, publications moved to minimal covers, and it's always you know just like a single tiny image in an otherwise like all white cover and. Or you know, it's all like geometric and you know, sort of abstract implications. Whatever. Bro, we've are.
0: we've I reached like, like that shit. we've reached like the epitome of that. And book covers are so fucking terrible now.
2: Agreed. I'm, I really so... think we're, we're 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 about to come like we're gonna break out of it. Gonna we're
1: boomerang. Gonna...
2: Yeah, that we're gonna we're gonna come out of it. Um, that's my hope anyway. I don't know. Yeah,
1: like, I feel like sometimes for newer books designers just try to get too clever with it like y- y'all remember when we watched uh that reality show work of art and one yes, of their dude. uh competitions was to create a book cover and like the majority of them were just absolute dog shit because like they took a really like abstract interpretive approach to it
2: mm-hmm. well and none of them had actually read the book even that was the most yeah part about it is they read, like, a, a paragraph synopsis. And the one that won was...
1: The awful. only guy who actually read the book.
2: <laughs> yeah, the only guy who read the book, which, I mean, isn't really that high of a <laughs> That's not enough. <laughs> yeah, we're starting to see, like, some art, like, covers for books that are, like, where they use, like, digital, like, concept art and stuff, and I'm more on board with that. Yeah, I think, like, the Expanse books are a good example. Like, they have some really good covers. I like those. Um,
0: yeah, covers. those are... They are certainly in the
2: minority, though. Yeah, but it's it's a well-known series, at least, so.
0: Yeah, it's true. Cool. So, well, so the way that Sam Neill uses the Sutter Kane book covers to, like, uncover his first major clue is great. He notices when he's bought all of them, they're all sitting on his coffee table and he's been reading them, he notices that sort of overlaid on all of, like, these pictures are these sort of, like, abstract-looking, like, squiggles, uh, just like a, a line. And so he decides to cut all of the covers up, following that line into pieces, and then arranges them together like a puzzle, and oh my god, it takes the shape of the state of New Hampshire. And then, and there's a red and there's a red dot which is marking where uh, the fictional or is it town of Hobbs End supposedly is. And So he figures, all right, well if that's 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 the best lead I have, that's where I'm gonna go. Uh, looking for Sutter Kane, and he's still you know totally skeptical about all of this. He maintains that uh skepticism like throughout most of the movie like way farther than he should i, I think. yeah um, That's it's, one of it's, my it's, favorite
1: it's, parts of his character honestly
0: Yeah, same yeah. Uh, you know, as the insurance claims investor, he's always on the lookout for a scam. He thinks that everything is a scam. He thinks that this whole thing is a publicity stunt to sell more Sutter Kane books. He's, he even tells Charlton S and he's like, he's like, look, do you really want to send me all the way to New England to, like, go to this supposedly fictional town? Because, like, I think this is bullshit. And like, if I get there and find out that this is all a big publicity stunt, like you're gonna be sorry, like you sure you want to do this. And they're like, look we're not we're not making anything up. like we want you to go find him. In fact, we're gonna go so far as to send uh Julie Carman along with you uh, <laughs> to to help you look for him. So they set out for uh New Hampshire to find
1: uh, out if Hobbs End is a real town. And surprise. I love the sequence of them driving because it is very surreal. Like, a, mm-hmm. you know, they're driving through in the middle of the night, and all they can see outside is, are the lions on the highway. And at a certain point, even those disappear. You have the, the, the spooky kid on a bike that goes by.
2: Well, you want to know something fun about that scene? Do you know who played the paper boy?
0: Hayden Christensen.
2: Hayden fucking Christensen. Wait, really?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it, was first, it was his first. His first role. Yeah.
2: yeah. Little Anakin's crazy. Like, it's little actually, fucking Anakin. Big Anakin. As, as yeah.
0: A <laughs> his very first. His very first film role. Yeah. Well, you know, I no, I think Hayden Christensen plays the newspaper boy at the end. Yeah, to. Who he asks... Who he asks for directions. Um, But the one they...
1: It is...
0: It is a different one than the one that they see on the highway at night. There's a... That's an older kid. Like, a young man. Like, a teenager. Who's, like, riding his bike. They pass him on the highway. And there's this really great shot... um, Of, like, them... Of, like, uh, Julie Carmen like, looking out the back window... And seeing him, and he's just all like red lit from the taillights, sort of like being swallowed by the blackness. Oh, yeah. That's um, probably one
2: of my favorite shots in the movie. It's really yeah. subtle and, it, yeah, oh, yeah. And, and frankly, spookier than a lot of like the Lovecraftian monster shots, even. It's just, it's, it's
0: yeah, it's very spooky. Yeah, it's very evocative. Um, yeah, and, and that's you know, about, in,
2: that is a great in,
0: shot. In just, you know, a few minutes after that, then coming down the road towards them is what? Somebody on a bike? The same bike? Because same. you can see that's got uh the, the kid they drove past has uh he had um playing cards, you know, clipped in the in the spokes of his wheels. Um and they see that they see somebody on that same bike again coming towards them, but what? This is a this is an old man? Huh? Ooh uh-huh.
1: It's well it's more money. of a, a kid in a trash humper's mask <laughs> than anything.
0: yeah
1: i mean it's supposed
0: to be an old man <laughs> yeah but yeah, i do find it very well, creepy legitimately it is creepy well yeah because it's it is like it is kind of uncanny mm-hmm.
1: well yeah and uh you know later he talks and it's a kid's voice that comes out of this mm-hmm. weird old man kid, which I found very unsettling. Well, and the, and the part after that too, where like it gets
0: so dark that like she can't uh see anything. You know, Sam Neil's asleep in the passenger seat. And so she like sticks her head out the window trying to see like the yellow lines of the road. And she looks down, and it's just black. And then there's like a flash of lightning, and there's no road under her at all. Just like cloud, just like thunder clouds. That's um, yeah, su- uh, such a fucking cool shot. Uh, Most you know, then of the all lightning.
2: She's asleep. She's all alone and experiencing this. That's
0: yeah, funny. and then you know there's there's all the lightning, and it starts you know flashing and becoming very like. Trippy and sort of psychedelic, and then she sort of comes out of this like covered bridge, and all of and it's daytime all of a sudden, and they're right next to an old sign that says "Welcome to Hobbs End." And right then, Sam Neill wakes up. He's like, "Oh, hey, great job! You found it." Yeah, I
2: guess <laughs> all night. Um, yeah thanks I walk, for driving. Cut back to that shot of the underside of the car, uh, where there's there's nothing beneath. We the lightning flash, and then uh, we cut back to it, and it's the underside, and it's still driving over nothing, and then slowly, the ramp of the bridge comes yeah, up. The just,
0: yeah, like, the
2: boards. Yeah. And it, it, so you really feel like, oh, we've suddenly, like, blown this place. Um, It's really ethereal. Um, Great shot. Because uh, I think they just they shot it, like, semi-practically, like there's, like, a rear-screen projection or something under the car. Um, I'd be curious to know how they shot that.
0: It looked composited to me, that would be my guess yeah the car driving over like a blue or a green screen or something um and then composited the the thunderhead uh it's a great shot though it's very effective and just like this whole thing like this whole part of them driving at night is like it really feels like they're passing through you know like some kind of portal into some new place new world uh which they are Um, so they, they, they get into Hobbs End, they find their, uh, their little, uh, B&B, which is called something like, it's like the Pikmin Hotel or Motel.
2: It's the Pikmin's Motel, uh, which is supposed to play on Pikmin's Model. Um, Yeah. Which I love, because Pikmin's Model is probably the closest comparison when it comes to Lovecraft's stories to this one, right? Like, because Pikmin is a, is an artist and the thing that he's drawing becomes real.
0: No, no it doesn't, uh, no. The pig's model, the model doesn't become real, it's that he is sneaking out to the graveyards to draw these ghouls that he's right, seeing. Right. And I, I would actually push back that this story is not super like Pikmin's model at all. I think so, you think, like, um, Sutter
2: Kane? you know? Like, this writer who's, like, writing, like, everyone thinks it's fiction, but it's really horrifying truth.
0: Yeah, it, I mean it, I don't know. It,
2: it, regardless, it's it's a fun play on words, Pigman's model. Yeah,
0: I mean it's it's definitely a fun Lovecraft reference, but I think like the actual story is, you know, closer to something like Shadow over Innsmouth, you know, or yeah. or even like or even like Rats in the Walls or something like that. Um I mean this whole movie is just like one big fat fucking Lovecraft reference um which is great if you're a fan of Lovecraft. Try
2: Yeah, Um, likewise. Worth noting that the person tending Pickman's Motel is Frances Bay, the log lady.
0: (laughs) Wrong. It is Frances Frances Bay, but that's not the log lady. It's a different actress.
2: Are you fucking serious? Oh, just fucking leave it in. (laughs) A beautiful moment. I deserve it. Yeah, that's... Leave my shame. No, the
0: the log lady is uh, Catherine Coulson.
2: Are you serious? Um, Did I really take that
0: Oh, well um Frances bay is a fun character actress though um she's uh she's in a, a couple episodes of seinfeld which is where i feel like i know most character actors from the 90s from
1: yeah they all had an appearance at one point or uh, another yeah exactly uh
0: but yeah she's she's great
2: um oh, interesting you know she is in a david lynch movie though she is in blue velvet that's funny
0: She's in she's in blue velvet. I think she is also in Twin Peaks. Oh,
2: as, you know, she as, and Firewalk With Me. Yeah. She's
0: yeah, she's the oh, she's the, the um she's the grandmother of like the weird little boy who wears oh. the the mask She does okay, so play yeah. a prominent role in Twin Peaks. She's just not the log lady. Okay, but yeah.
2: she is a yeah. lady in Twin Peaks. She oh, is, okay. Yeah, okay. she's in
0: Firewalk with me. Uh, oh,
2: all right, that makes sense. Okay, good. So, good. Okay. so I'm not I'm not totally off base.
0: The Twin Peaks connection is there, is there? Um, a lot of Twin Peaks actors also uh, in Seinfeld. Um, but anyway, let's let's uh, let's carry on. Uh, I one of my favorite things in the uh, the Pikmin Motel is uh, the painting that's um, you know sort of facing the the front desk, and it keeps like throughout the film it keeps. Changing and warping, Mm -hmm. like Julie Carmen, like sees it move. Um, but Sam Neill, really cool effect, never does. Yeah, it
1: is. I love how distorted it gets later on in the faces, it's very strange and evocative of some of the creatures we also see.
0: Yeah. It's like it's like a painting of uh, like a, a man and a woman, sort of like holding hands or like kissing by like a pond or something. But like, yeah, it keeps changing positions, and then at one point they're just like looking out at the the viewer, and their faces are all twisted and deformed and warped, um, and it's it's very spooky. Um, and later on, they're just like straight up tentacle monsters just lying on the
2: ground. <laughs> I love uh, tentacle monsters, though. They do look really
0: Yeah, totally. There's a lot of cool, uh, cool monsters in this I, movie. I,
1: I want to mention the old woman who works the desk. She has one of my favorite scenes in this movie. Um, one of the unintentionally funniest scenes where, uh, Sam Neil is just chain smoking through this whole movie and he, uh, pulls out a cigarette while he's looking at the painting, and uh, she's like, uh, can you not smoke? Um, my my husband is bothered by smoking, so he puts it out, and they have a little conversation, and right at the end of the scene, uh, you hear, like, a weird uh, grunting, and it pans down, and <laughs> her husband is handcuffed to her, naked, um, his arm connected to her foot. Yeah. Yeah, just lying on the floor naked, groaning. (laughs) Yeah, and it is unsettling, but it's also very funny. It's also something that, like, I feel like nowadays you could kind of cut into something like I think you should leave, or Tim and Eric, (laughs) and it would just work.
0: It's a greasy strangler style bet. (laughs) Yeah. 100%.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of this movie is sort of uncomfortable laughter. I mean, I think yeah. that's a
0: hallmark of a lot of Carpenter's uh, good stuff. Is that it's it's kind of it can be kind of hokey, but like also really spooky at the same time.
2: You know knows that to have fun. It's, it's pulpy.
0: Yeah, totally. I like Which I fun. mean, for this for this kind of movie, is perfect too. You know, when it's when it's all about sort of like pulp horror writing. But you know, so. Once they get here, like, Julie Carmen is very sort of put off, because, like, okay, this is a supposedly fictional town, it's not supposed to exist, but all of this stuff is, like, straight from the books, like, Mrs. Pickman and her her B&B, you know, is from the books, like, there's this black church... Um, that they go to investigate that's like that straight from the books is sort of like the center of like the evil of Hobbes and
1: I love and how it towers over like the rest of the town
0: yeah it's I love the design too because it's it's like an it's like an old sort of like Byzantine or like like Eastern Orthodox kind of style church it's got like these like got like the the sort of like onion towers, you know, with like the golden balls on the spires. It's like it's very it's very out of place for a little New England village, you know, um which I think makes it all the the spookier.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: When they get there, uh this, like, mob of townspeople show up with, like, guns and pitchforks and stuff, and they're, like, trying to storm the church, and they're, you know, they're shouting to to give him back, give him back, and, like, the door blows open and we see, like, this little boy in the church, uh, and then the doors, like, keep opening and closing, and then one time no they open.
2: There's no wind.
0: Yeah, the wind is blowing them open, and then they open, and the boy is gone, and there's our first Introduction to Sutter kane um with a, a nice little uh like punch in um that's another one of those one things that I feel like is unintentionally kind of funny. It's sort of treated as like a as like a sinister reveal of like you know this mysterious spooky villain um but i I think he looks kind of goofy <laughs> in his black turtleneck with like his big his big hairdo. <laughs>
2: yeah well, it looks a little like sideshow bob and like then he he lifts he lifts his hand and points at them menacingly as is you know ambient thunder crackles and just sort of around the corner of the church uh oh, a shitload of dobermans just run around like
0: 30 like 30
2: dobermans <laughs> like chasing after a ball like they don't really look like scary you know like and it's it's like oh shit where's the ball they're going for the ball like and all the townspeople are terrified the townspeople also loaded down with guns not a single one even tries to shoot the dobermans um apparently,
0: apparently though i was reading that that scene actually uh several of the stunt men got bit pretty bad like oh, for real shit. and like had to like had to go to the hospital and get like shots and stitches um, for some of those Doberman bites. Oh, rough, so rough, you say, you, you say, you say that the dogs look like good boys chasing a ball, but they actually fucked some of those guys up pretty it's bad. It's even worse. So like, <laughs> in like the
2: movie, it doesn't read as scary at all, but like in the reality, <laughs> also, that was actually super terrifying. It's oh so no, funny. It's just
0: like from, from around the corner, somebody just let loose like 30 Dobermans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's great.
2: It's like, so they actually just like unleashed a pack of dogs on the extras. and A bunch of people got yeah. hit. It's horrifying. Well, they were
0: they were you know like actual stuntmen. Like you can see that they're doing like the classic you know Arm up, uh, like movie yeah. movie dog bites where you know they're just sort of worrying at their forearm when you know they've got like a big big padding under there. Um, but yeah, apparently some of those guys got got pretty pretty badly bit up by by those dogs. Um uh, so the the darkness behind a goofy scene
1: <laughs> things kind of escalate and get weirder and weirder over time, like I said earlier the The middle section of this movie when they're in the town is a little messy no. it, it feels like they keep going out into the town and then coming back to the motel mm. Mm-hmm. Then- uh, going back and forth over and over again. Julie, the uh, the woman who came with uh, Sam Neill, she reveals that uh, they did intend to fake uh, this as a publicity stunt, but as they were doing that, they came across the actual town and they weren't expecting that, and uh, this stuff is weird and not what they planned.
0: Yeah, through all of this, Sam Neill has, has continued to believe that this is an elaborate prank uh, on him, basically. An elaborate publicity oh, stunt. Yeah. So yeah, Styles reveals to him, it's like, yeah, we we did, you know sort of planned this to be a publicity stunt, but we didn't actually expect a town to be here. Like, we didn't expect to actually find Sutter Kane. Um So, like, that's how... It, she's, she's like, that's how I know this is all real, is because we didn't plan any of it. But, you know, then things begin to devolve pretty quickly. You know, we see Mrs. Pickman. She becomes sort of like a tentacle monster and is, like, chopping up her husband downstairs in the basement he sees like a like a weird monster in like the greenhouse they see some of the town children who have you know started mutating kind of um you know he talks to one of the townsmen is like oh you know there's there's an evil there in in that their church you know, it's something that, that is like infecting the town and it's it took our kids first and now it's coming for the rest of us. Eventually, this is all to say, we end up back
2: at the church. Linda ends up back at the church. But yeah. Sam, Neil's character mm-hmm. John.
0: Well yeah, she 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 goes to the church first, um and confronts Sutter Kane. Uh Samuel does show up not too long after that.
2: Um, I like it, too, because before she gets into the church, we get the scene with all the kids, throw the ball to her, and uh, she turns around and she sees that one of the, the little girls has become a wretched ghoul creature, and she's like, you're my mommy now! <laughs> it's mommy's day! Oh, right! She says, yeah, it's, it's do you know what today <laughs> is? Just no ghoul child? She's like, it's mommy's day, you're my mommy now. Once again, unsettling and also pretty funny. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. So when we see like the the sort of inner sanctum of the church, I love I love the design of this set too cuz it's like the first couple of rooms she walks through it's like, you know, what you'd expect from from a church and then walks into like the main cathedral and it's like not anything like a regular church. Um the walls are kind of like crystalline but also sort of like organic and they've got they're sort of like glowing from within like it's very like weird and fleshy and Sutter Kane is just in there tip-tapping away at his typewriter and his his big uh cable knit black turtleneck uh and uh and there's this big door off to the side that's uh Covered with chains and all locked up, but it's like flexing and breathing like there's something on the other side trying to get out of it. It's
2: all sweaty you know? and gooey, too. It's all black. And yeah. Gooey yeah. Going off of the door. It's dope. It's a
0: very cool, uh, very cool set. Um, and, you know, Saracane kind of gets one of his his many long monologues where he's like, Oh, you know, when I was writing all of this stuff, I thought I was just making it up, but it turns out that they were speaking through me and giving me the power to make all of this real revealing that he is doing all of this at the behest of, you know, some, some, uh, eldritch gods. I think he even calls them the old ones at one point. Um, just straight up lovecraft, uh, and that the more people who read his work and believe it, you know the the easier it is for the old ones to come back into the world uh, through open. that that power of belief,
2: yeah uh, yeah, kinda kind yeah, of they exist through the power of belief like that's that's the whole idea. You I don't know think... I
1: really would have appreciated it if someone wrote Tulpa on a piece of paper, piece of paper. to make <laughs> that clear.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I do empty man is a much better movie about Tulpa. I
1: do
0: I do think there's a, a, a slight distinction. I don't think they exist because people believe in them. I think they exist outside of reality, but people believing in them makes it easier for them to enter our world. It brings them closer.
2: Yeah, well, I don't know if that's ever explicitly said one way or the other. And the movie... I mean, you know, it... I'm, I mean... It's to sort of blur those lines between reality and fiction anyway. So, yeah, maybe, but... I don't I, uh,
0: it is kind of explicitly stated. He says belief is what is what brings them nearer to us, is what opens the door. It's irrelevant. The end result is, is ultimately the same. Um, but also in all of this, another big revelation... That uh, Sutter Kane reveals is that Linda, Linda Stiles, is uh, is a character that he wrote um, in order to bring Sam Neal here. Um, that she does not exist. She did not exist outside of uh, of his fiction. We we sort of see that he does have that power of of influence on the outside world as well.
2: Well, speaking of Linda, there is a back at the hotel where he sees linda again after she went to the church and uh i love that because there's a wonderful shot where he approaches her and he says linda and she sort of lifts her arm and then in the next shot we cut to the hallway outside and sam neill's thrown through a door um She's gained, like, Hulk strength. <laughs> 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 I thought that was, that was pretty great. I just, it's a very, it, it sort of is a pretty modern cut, you know, to cut to outside as someone is, like, hurled through something. I love that, uh,
1: the way they get Sam Neill to the church is, uh, Sam Neill is trying to drive away, and he gets in a sort of loop, right? Where he keeps driving, and he keeps driving into, like, the the road being blocked by a group of you know townspeople uh with uh weapons, and then he drives away and uh suddenly they're there again and this keeps happening, and eventually he decides to just run through them uh but as he's doing so uh Linda appears and he swerves out of the way not to hit her and crashes his car and I think it's a really uh interesting point that uh they use linda as sort of an object of desire especially considering that she's an entity created by sutter kane
0: well i mean even at this point like he's still not you know he's still in denial about all of this like even when he keeps trying to drive away and ends up back in the same place He's, like, talking to himself is like, he's, like, no, no big deal. I just, uh, I got confused, and I just took a few wrong turns. Like, he thinks he's just going in circles, and it's, like, Linda is just, like, the one familiar face that he sees, you know? So he's, he's not going to, uh, to, like, run her over. Um, because he still doesn't, like, believe that any of this is, like, supernatural or anything like that. Um, the crash, though, is fucking awesome. They just, like, ram that fucking car into another one, and it fucking crumples. Um, love a good car crash in a movie. So then he like does finally run to the church and he meets with Sutter Kane and you know gives him kind of uh, an abridged version of like the same basic uh monologue is like is like uh all right well i wrote you here so you can take my my manuscript and deliver it to the publisher just like they wanted you got to bring the the new bible of Sutter Kane to the world, but you better get out of here because uh, I'm about to unleash all of these eldritch horrors out of this out of this big scary door.
2: And yeah, I've held them back long enough; they have to they have to get out. And uh, there's this incredible hallway of uh, non-Euclidean shapes. I think is the the Lovecraftian term, um, and that's uh, that's got like a thin veil of water across the bottom of it as well. And I don't really that whole incredible set. What do you
1: all think of the the sequence when Sutter Kane uh, tears open uh, his face like it's a piece of like paper the, almost, of a book. and opens up into the void? Yeah.
2: Well, if we've said it a lot of times so far, so we'll say it again. It's unsettling, but also funny. Like the the way that the pages sort of splay out around him, like you can. It's a little goofy, and it looks it looks it looks pretty silly.
1: It's Um, probably the most dated effect in the movie. Yes, (laughs) yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. For some reason, whenever
1: I saw it, I kept thinking of, like, the music video for Take On Me. Like, he was about to jump into, like, a doodle world or something.
2: The, oh, well, yeah. that scene recut to take on me as the creatures are chasing after me.
0: Sam Dillon's <laughs> running. <laughs> I <laughs> don't know what i have to say.
2: <laughs> Goddamn. It's really good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's 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 kind of a goofy effect, but you know, like it's it's sort of cool, you know, it, like everything that we're seeing this whole town, all of this stuff is, you know, stuff that Sutter Kane has written into existence. So, you know, when he sort of like tears open the page into the void, we're seeing, you know, like the the pages of that book um and when uh, at that point when like Linda is reading uh you know, a passage from the book to Sam Neill, like as he's sort of like looking through the hole out into the abyss, Uh what she's reading is just straight up H.P. Lovecraft. It, it is not, it is only slightly <laughs> modified, but it is literally just one of multiple, uh like direct quotes from H.P. Lovecraft stories. So they were uh extremely not fucking around. <laughs> Um, I think that one's from that part is, like, a bit from Rats in the Walls, I want to say. Um, but I'm not 100%. But yeah, so he takes off Ryan down the tunnel, and we get this, uh, this horde of, of Eldritch Nightmares chasing him. I'm glad that they keep the, the the glimpses of the actual monsters subtle.
2: There's not a lot of, um, oh, what's What's the term in puppetry? There's not a lot of points uh, oh, of articulation. Yeah, yeah. yeah and the puppets. Um, I still love them, and I think that they're charming and fun. But they're not. I don't know. It's, it's not the thing. Uh, it's, yeah. There's, there's. Uh, it's just not. Yeah, they're they're big rat, yeah. wet rubber '80s monsters. Um, and no, yeah, it's it's true. Like in the sequence, uh, almost entirely in shadow as they chase after. Them, even still. I think it's, it's was... more noticeable, like, throughout the film we're always, like, doing these sudden cuts as a, as a character is slowly going insane with these sudden cuts of blood or tentacles under doors or these creatures, and um, there's a play, there's plays with chronology as well so we'll see, like, sudden shots of scenes to come, and uh, whenever they do the shots of these creatures it's always kind of, uh, I, I think once again, charming uh, but uh,
0: yeah, uh, I, I less is it's also kind of funny Less is more. Um, that yeah, the the creatures chasing him down the tunnel uh, is was actually like one big prop instead of uh, multiple. It that was one. Sense. It was one like whole uh, configuration. Took thirty yeah, probably,
2: people. Like or like a tractor or something, like pushing. Yeah, it, it,
0: it was. It, it it was on. It was on rails. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But uh, it took thirty people to operate it simultaneously. Yeah. I believe that, which is which is pretty cool. I would, yeah, I'm I'm glad. Like less is definitely more. Um, I I do almost think we see too much of it. Um, but I would I I'm sure I I'm sure you could look it up. I'm sure it exists, but yeah, well, I, I would like to. The problem
2: is that like whenever we see shots of it, just go for like the individual features that are on the thing, and like that's where like, points of articulation become an issue. Like when it's you see the like that one shot of it in the darkness as a whole is pretty good because again it's mostly like you can. Barely see it, like it's only
0: yeah
2: out of the shadows. Mm -hmm. Um, and if they'd stuck to that, or you know, done you know, like more shots.
0: I want to see, like, I would love to see, like, a a well lit, like, behind the scenes photograph of what that whole prop looks like. Like, I want to see, like, where all the people were who are operating it. I want to see how it works because I'm, you know, I, I think just like it is impressive. As like a a feat of puppetry, um, you know, sort of corniness aside, uh, it, it's it seems like a like a very cool thing. I, I want to know more about about oh, the prop.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, you know, when it comes to like the the points of articulation, like critique of it, like the actual artistry of and designs of these Eldritch creatures and stuff are excellent and it's just so on point for H.P. Lovecraft stuff. They're yeah, like it's great.
0: classic classic mm-hmm. Lovecraft. Yeah. Slimy, slimy, fishy, tentacles, all the hits. But so, yeah, when he gets to the end of this tunnel, he finds himself thrown out onto a, a highway in the daytime. That's where he runs into little Hayden Christensen. Still crazy <laughs> to me. Uh, and he's like, he's like, hey, where? Do, how do I get to the highway? And he's like, oh, you just follow the road down that way, mister. He's like, hey, kid, you ever heard of Hobbs End? And he's like... He's like, no, no, sir, mister. Bye. He's like, okay, I'm back in the real world. I do think the part on the bus while he's driving back is another very funny moment um, where he like falls asleep on the bus and he like wakes up and Sutter Kane is there and he's like, ooh, you doubt my power. Did I ever tell you that my favorite color is blue? And then he wakes up and just like, just everything is blue. There's
2: and it's just like, filter on, and it causes Sam Neill. To yeah.
0: Scream, it's just like,
2: like ah! <laughs> it's blue. Oh my God.
0: it's So funny. And then he wakes up again and uh, it's back on the bus at night. And everyone's like, Hey, chill. You just had a nightmare. Don't worry about it. It's cool. But uh, yeah, then he, you know, he gets back to the city, goes to Charlton Heston, tells him the whole story uh charlton is like oh that that's crazy man <laughs> damn you you wild you wild bro <laughs> um, and samuel's and samuel's like whatever you do you can't like don't publish that manuscript you know and charlton is like what are you talking about we already did it seven weeks ago the movie comes out next month ah! it's like oh no oh my god what happened and then what? all of a sudden, Sam Neill is the crazy man with the axe. Uh, and he kills somebody coming out of a bookstore uh, reading, you know, the new the new book. And hence we get him in, you know, back at the asylum.
2: Touching on the previous scene, uh, I think uh, an excellent on the bus Sutter Kane saying, Did I ever mention my favorite color is blue? And then cutting to the scene, and with Sam Neill screams, just like, I'm blue. <laughs> like over the top
0: <laughs> I'm blue
1: <laughs> see during that scene I kept thinking I've, I've been re-watching Eric Andre's show recently uh-huh. I kept thinking back to the, the sketch what if it were what purple? if it
0: was purple
1: what if it was blue I would
2: be screaming I... if it was blue well if I was green I would die
0: I did uh I did read a, an IMDb trivia um that pointed out that every time in the movie there's a close up on a character's eyes um they're always blue. So that's uh okay. Yeah, it's showing Sutter Kane's power that all these characters <laughs> have blue eyes. Um So yeah, Sam Neill finishes telling him telling his story uh at the asylum. The doctor leaves, and then in the night, you know, he hears some some horrible things, sees some some tentacly shadows, and like the door to his cell gets like ripped open, um, and he wanders out the next morning out into the street, and you know nobody's around, and everything is look you know looks post apocalyptic, and he. Wanders to a movie theater that is uh, showing In the Mouth of Madness, starring John Trent, which is Sam Neill's character's name. I don't think we've mentioned that at all. Um, (laughs) And he sits down in the theater with his popcorn. He gets a big tub of popcorn and uh, starts watching the movie. And it's just this movie. He just laughs and laughs. Well, I love
1: that he laughs so hard that he is almost crying. It's the laugh of a madman.
0: Right? Yeah, truly. It's in true uh Lovecraftian tradition, he has uh he has lost his mind. The uh forbidden knowledge that has been bestowed unto him has uh has shattered his sanity. And so it ends with him sitting in a theater, laughing, maniacally, uh, watching the movie that we just watched, starring himself. And the credits roll. And it's fucking, it's a perfect, it's the perfect ending for this movie. It's a perfect ending, I think.
1: Yeah, I really love how this third act is edited, because it really feels like his reality is falling apart. As we go, things, you know, are cut much more quickly. There's a lot of strange, abstract repetition in there. As things are revealed to him, it becomes stranger and stranger. I just think, you know, ending it with the the movie theater is such such a classic way to end it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just really, like... Fully destroying the line between reality and fiction. You know, that he's been teetering back and forth across through this whole story. It's... I feel like I've said this for a lot of John Carpenter movies, but it's like... It is one of my favorite John Carpenter endings of of any movie. Maybe not as much as Prince of Darkness. Or The Thing. Man, I don't know.
1: yeah again all three
0: of them have fucking
1: banger endings
0: i know it's like what is what is the best one what is my favorite one probably the thing but maybe Um, prince of dark but maybe prince of darkness though Uh, yeah i don't know man i don't know um
1: i if only kurt russell was smoking a stogie in a dream and uh, sam neill was watching all of that on a movie theater screen We'd Damn. have the perfect ending.
0: Damn! Yeah, true. Kurt Russell needs to be in this movie. <laughs> um, are you all ready to rate? Yeah, yeah. I'll start. Um, since this was my pick. Um. Yeah, this is a, a another one of my favorite carpenters. We I, hard to rank. Um, but similarly with Cronenberg, you know the. The dude's batting a thousand for the most part. Um, I probably, yeah, overall, probably don't like this quite as much as the thing or Prince of Darkness, but it's close. Um, So I'm gonna give it a strong four and a half out of five.
1: This is a five out of five to me, baby. I I do want to mention they put out a Blu-ray of this within the last year or two. And uh, I picked it up, and it's actually a really great Blu-ray. If anyone's looking for um, some behind-the-scenes and commentary and stuff like that, um, and a great uh, a great digitization, so
0: might have to borrow that for some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Clive,
2: I love this movie. I love subject matter. I love Sam Neill's performance. I love so much about it, but. Uh, and I love the corniness, but it does not chill me to the bone or just properly blow my nuts off like some of Carpenter's other films. I think I'm going to give it a very favorable four and a half. Um, it is it is a great movie, and I love it to bits. And I feel like on paper I would love this movie even more than Thing or Halloween or some of his other or uh, Prince of Darkness. Um, but I really, I think I think I'd rate it beneath all of them. But only just. I mean, again, I'm I'm comparing it to some of the best films ever made, in my opinion. So, um, yeah. So Carpenter, the God. I wonder if those movies like didn't exist, or if I wasn't familiar with them, I wouldn't rate this movie even higher. Just because it's, I'm comparing it to some of those great, great movies. Um, but again, yeah, I really, I really love it, and I mean, you know, four point four and a half is the, the next highest I can go to full mark. Yeah.
0: So. Between four and a half and five is marginal. Um, Anyway, that will give In the Mouth of Madness an average of 4.7 out of 5 and a resounding recommendation from the three of us. Um, And that means that we have successfully covered all of the Apocalypse Trilogy on the podcast. Good job. We did it. We did it. It only took us five and a half years to get through all of them. But we did it. (laughs) Um, Gotta space them out. Can't, uh... Can't blow, can't can't blow your nips off, you know. Too often, gotta let your nips heal. Um. Uh. Anyway, next week, uh, it's Cleveland's pick, and Cleveland, what are we watching?
2: Well, you know, I am currently working. As I say, almost every episode, I'm I'm working. We know. Yes, art directing a creep show, uh, game. So I wanted to do some more research and find some other films. I've had several peers of mine refer to this movie as um, sort of the third creep show film or, uh, you know, another continuation of uh, Tales from the Crypt or uh, Tales from the Dark Side. And it is uh, Cat's Eye, an anthology horror film uh, based on a series of Stephen King's stories uh, from 1985. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. I hear it has some fun practicals, and it was uh, very important to several of my peers' childhoods. So I'm, I'm very keen, keen to give it a go. See, we're watching Cat's Eye next week.
0: And we're keeping the Stephen King Love, theme going.
1: We are Love already. me some anthology horror movie. It's been too long since we've done an anthology. Especially
0: an 80s anthology movie. Yeah. Always
1: good. Um, oh,
0: also, next week's episode is Cat's Eye, but... We'll all be back in the same room together again.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my mic quality won't be shit. That's exciting. Yeah, we'll,
0: we'll have, we'll, we'll have the, boys, the boys back in the same room for next week's episode um, after a long absence. Um, so, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. If you like the show, be sure to give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. We're an independent show, we don't advertise, so that helps us a lot. Um, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to our honorary pod boys, Sam, Zach, and Micah. Uh, y'all are the best. If you want to be like them, join the Patreon. You can get into the Discord too. You can follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. Um, I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake and streaming on Twitch at
1: twitch.tv/some spooky snake. Um, for my recommendation corner for the week, um, over the weekend I visited Galloping Ghost in Chicago. Um, it's this really cool arcade preservation slash restoration project, and currently the largest arcade in the world with something like 930 games. Um, Tons of Japanese imports, um, super rare uh, one-of-a-kind sort of stuff, as well as um, some unreleased stuff. Stuff like Primal Rage 2, which never actually came out, um, but has uh, an arcade machine there. Um, So if you're in the Chicago area... Um big recommend to check it out uh you pay twenty five bucks and you can play all the games they're set to free play um they're open until like two a m uh three sixty five days so damn big so, recommend
0: any listeners in Chicago I guess hit that up yeah cleef
2: well uh before I do my shout out for the week whatever um there is something really important that we forgot. Um, and that is a sponsor. Oh. So, uh, here we go. Dumpy, drinky, jingle. This is my sponsored jingle. It's said rhyme jingle with jingle. mean too bad. So we get pretty many improv. Uh, this episode is brought to you by. I'm doing the song still. I don't know why. Uh, if you've had too many bad takes on Twitter and you feel like your head's a shitter. Don't forget to eat your dumbs, It's like tums, but not for your tummy. It's for your stupid head.
0: Damn! <laughs> I, mean,
2: I don't. I don't write the songs. I just sing. Uh, and it, hey, look, look. The notes specifically said off key and and bad. So I'm I'm just doing my job here. Okay, don't, don't hold it against me if I was. Wait. The, so
0: the notes you know, said off people, key and bad. It. So you sang it beautifully and wonderfully
2: as directed yeah it even says parentheses after that cringe um so yeah i i think i i think i achieved the goal pretty well i mean i'm patting myself on the back right now honest i think I'm, I'm i'm pretty good anyway uh yeah enough of that uh get that out of here uh i i'm cleveland Mosier. you know that i'm me i work at dread xp i do uh art and things like i already i already shouted myself out i'm working show. Uh, Go check out all of our super cool games at DreadXP. Super cool. I should stop talking.
0: Well, we should all stop talking um, and be carried away by the gentle tunes of Eiffel 65. Because we're blue.
2: Bye. Bye. Inside and outside, blew his house with the blue little window and a
0: blue corvette, and everything is blue for him and his self and everybody around Cause he ain't got nobody to listen to listen
2: to listen. To listen. I'm blue I've been deed, I've been I've been.